May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. morning. And what a beautiful morning it is out there here in Florida. But around the nation, the weather is a little bit more frightful than it is here on this glorious morning in Florida. We are seeing torrential snow and avalanches in some parts of the country. And then when that snow melts, it has caused great flooding in a lot of the parts of the country, causing just great tragedy and heartache. And as I was looking at the Weather Channel on some of those news videos that they repeat about just weather and and tragedy as it hits people, there was one that struck a little closer to home in here in Northeast Florida. A couple weeks ago, you may have heard about the tornadoes that ravaged Alabama. And of course, they had a story of a 52-year-old woman that opened like this in the video that I saw. This young woman had come through uh, some troubles in her life. She had been recently diagnosed with breast cancer as well as lost a job. And in looking to start her life over, she moved home to this small town in Alabama where she would meet with her her family and extended family. Um, They went to church on a Sunday morning, and then she had made some yams for an afternoon uh, dinner, a brunch that she would share with, with her parents and with her extended family. But that plan, the plan she had made for the day just to pick back up, get back with those that love her, would not happen because of these tornadoes that ripped through this little town. And what she had planned on was, and she lived just blocks from her actual parents and her extended family in this very small town in Alabama, and she would not get to see her parents again after church as the tornado, an F4, EF4, would kill her parents as it would destroy their home. And then she found out that it was not just her parents, but 10 of her extended family total would lose, her, or lose their lives, and she was spared. And of course, in this video, she is just wrought with grief and the pain as they ask her, well, how are you feeling after all of this in, in the video and with tears Coming down her eyes, she says, I just have one question. Why? This was her exact quote in that video. Why? Why, you know, why do things like this have to happen? It's what I want to spend the rest of our time on in the gospel this morning. I think that story of something that happened just weeks ago really gets us in touch with how our gospel story opens up this morning. I want to focus on the two tragedies that happened thousands of years ago in the story we have, what what they're actually trying to tell us this morning. Uh, The second point I want to focus on is what does this have to do with us Tragedies 2,000 years ago, and we're hearing about them this morning. What does that have to do with us? And third and final point for our sermon this morning, what does true and earnest repentance look like? So those will be our three talking points this morning. So as our gospel opens up, we consider that that modern-day story of tragedy and the, this woman asking why. 
Why do those types of things have to happen, especially like that? We have a group in the gospel lesson this morning asking Jesus, coming from what would seem to be the, whole, the same heart, asking why. Why do those things have to happen? This group comes to Jesus and they say, did you hear the news? There was this group of Galileans in the temple and Pilate sent some soldiers, had them killed, and then used their blood, mixed it with the blood of the sacrifice they were making as an ultimate act of of disrespect. But they come to Jesus asking that question, why? But Jesus says, He turns the question on them to reveal the real heart of the question that this group comes to Jesus with. And he says, this group of Galileans that died at the hands of Pilate were their sins worse than any other people in Galilee. And we don't actually have in the that they answered yes or no, but we know from history that their answer would have been yes. This was their theological belief system that we see at play still today in various trains of thought. But Jesus is refuting this idea. The basic question they were asking is, what did they do to deserve that type of fate? If we were to put that in some kind of a mathematical formula, it would be sin equals suffering. Therefore, those that suffered in that way must have sinned greatly and they met their fate. It was their punishment. This is the answer of Jesus with that question. You shouldn't worry about that. You should repent because you may likewise experience the same or perish in the same way. He's turning this idea on its head that they're not being punished for their sin. That these were everyday people and that old uh, temple mindset of being punished for sin, he's turning that upside down. And before they can respond to that, he says, did you hear the other news story? There was as well a group of 18 people in a town in Jerusalem and a tower fell on them and all of them were killed. And exposing this truth, turning it, this lie that they were believing, he, he says it and, he's, and he, repent, or he restates the same question to them. Were they worse off? Were their sins worse off than anybody in all of Jerusalem? What he's saying is sin is equal to sin. And tragedy is going to befall anybody. Tragedy can come for us at any time, and that is why we should repent or we will likewise perish. And that brings us to our second point. As you hear, Jesus is using those two tragedies and getting us with tragedy we may be experiencing now, tragedy we may have gone through or something that may come down the pike at us later. Jesus is shaking us. Waking us up out of our complacency this morning and saying, repent because death can sneak up on you at any moment. That is what it has to do with us. These tragedies of these two groups that this gospel opens up with, it really gets us in touch with modern day tragedy. 
death snuck up on this group of Galileans as well as this group that that the tower fell on in Jerusalem. And we hear 2,000 years ago to those that are questioning in the gospel this morning as to us this morning, the call, the charge is don't let death sneak up on you. Don't lose time to repent because we all know how fast time can actually go. Ten minutes ago, I was a freshman in college wondering what I was going to do with my life. And ten minutes from now, you'll probably see more gray come out in, in my beard. Time seems to be something we all go through. And this is our charge this morning. What tragedies 2,000 years ago, what tragedies we see today, Jesus is telling us, do not let death sneak up on you. Repent or you may likewise perish as they did, unprepared and unready to repent. So that brings us to our third and final question to look at this morning, the point, what does true and earnest repentance look like? You heard, may seem confusing at first, the little parable of the fig tree that doesn't bear fruit. Just four sentences, that's a snapshot of the very heart of God, especially here in the Lenten season. Just to recap it a little bit, four simple sentences. There is a fig tree on a vineyard, and there is both a owner of the vineyard and a gardener of the vineyard. And apparently this fig tree, after three years, the owner of the vineyard has come to it year after year for three years, and there has been no fruit. It's just been a dried up little tree that hasn't done much and is taking up space. And the owner tells the gardener, you know what? We need to remove that with something that will produce fruit. So why don't you cut it down and we'll cut our losses. And we see the response of the gardener. Spare the fig tree. Give it one more year. Let me get to the roots. Let me put some fertilizer around and let me see if the fig tree can actually bear fruit after I care and nurture for it. Do you see the snapshot of the gospel and this four sentences of this small parable? We are that fig tree. And God is both in the form of God, the owner of the vineyard, and then in the form of Jesus, the gardener that would tend to this fig tree that was not bearing. And we see the very heart of God and the wrath of God towards sin, but then we see our Savior, Christ, step in sacrifice his body saying, no, don't let that axe come down and take out the fig tree. Give it a little more time. Spare the fig tree. Let the manure be put down and the fertilizer go from the root system all the way up. And in a year's time, if by that time it hasn't produced fruit, let it be cut down. What does true and earnest repentance look like? What is this parable telling us about the very gospel message of Christ? C.S. Lewis says this about repentance. Now, repentance is no fun at all. It is something much harder than merely eating 
humble pie. It means unlearning all the self-conceit and self-will that we have been training ourselves into for thousands of years. It means undergoing a kind of death. In fact, it needs a good man to repent. And here's the catch. Only a bad person needs to repent. Only a good person can repent perfectly. The worse you are, the, the more you need it, and the less you can do it. The only person who could do it perfectly would be a perfect person, and he would not need it. The author H.A. Ironside says this about repentance. The call to repentance is designed by God to produce the soul hunger that will make the distressed one come with full appetite to the gospel feast. Until one is thus made conscious of his own need, he will turn from the gospel story with indifference and contempt. The tragedy we opened up with this morning reminds us that life is short and that life is fragile. And Jesus tells that parable so that we may join him here on the third Sunday of Lent on his march to Jerusalem to face his cross. Our repentance is where true fruit comes from. We hear about this fig tree that would bear no fruit. And that has nothing to do with what we can produce in our own power. But true and earnest repentance takes with our inventory of ourselves and our own heart and our own sinful state. And we get, when we get in touch with that, it prepares us for the glory of the resurrection that comes on Easter. But we first have to go through the suffering. And we, in our own way, die with Christ. But we are resurrected again to new life. My prayer would be that the Holy Spirit would mo this morning would use the scripture, the confession, this sermon as manure in your life. I would pray that you are the fig tree that is getting in touch with your own sinful nature as you prepare over these last few Sundays of Lent. And as that, that it's not pretty getting in, feel, getting in touch with that, that deep darkness that can be inside of all of us, and we tend to treat it with comfort. And let me just numb it. But what Jesus is calling us to is shaking us out of that contemptness, saying, you need to know that and who you are so you fully understand how free you are. And because of Christ and the work that he has done, what it frees you up to do and frees you up to be and the fruit that can come from that. This is the very heart of true repentance. Hear his call. Hear his shaking you out of contentment to true repentance this morning. And on the other side of it, may you find his grace and his mercy and his peace. And may you be able to bear fruit because of his cross. Amen.